welcome to the Sports Pro Podcast, getting inside the sports industry and recording it on audio. Hi everyone and welcome to another Sports Pro Podcast, or welcome back I should probably say, after a quiet couple of months from us. My name is Owen Connolly, I'm now the editor-at-large at Sports Pro and you'll be hearing a fair bit more from us over the next few weeks and months both in our regular podcast output and through a couple of other complimentary series we have in the works. But for now, it's on with another show, and you'll have noticed there's a World Cup on. The 2018 edition of the biggest single sport event of them all kicked off a couple of weeks ago in what's been described as its most controversial host country in a generation, with world soccer governing body FIFA still trying to overcome significant reputational damage, local economic difficulties and geopolitics hitting sponsorship spend, a running debate over the future of the international game, continued concerns over Russia's doping record and the spectre of one Vladimir V. Putin looming behind it all. And yet in spite of all of that, it's been a lot of fun. There have been some great games, surprises, breakout stars, VAR-inspired drama, hordes of happy travelling fans and a seriously open contest with a big prize at the end. Now, I'm not lucky enough to be out there on the ground for the tournament, but I know someone who is. Press Association Chief Sports Reporter and Sports Pro columnist Matt Slater is in Moscow for the duration, and he was good enough to spend some time talking about all of that with us. He'll also be giving his thoughts on the pre-tournament vote that saw FIFA members award the 2026 World Cup to the United bid from Canada, Mexico and the United States of America. as this. I've never seen the people as, as, as cheerful. I think you have to be honest and say that a lot of that is to do with an invasion of South American fans who have really brought a kind of spirit of festival to, to the city. Um, I think Russia doing well in the tournament as well has helped. Um, so it's great. Uh, I'm actually speaking to you from the middle of Gorky Park which is a, is a hive of activity. Um, you know, I've got just a little 360s here. I can, I can see people playing football. I can see people playing uh, table tennis. I can hear the ballroom dancing has just sparked up. People come to the park and dance. And uh, on the other side of the trees, there is, there's some quite good basketball being played. So, you know, this is... Um, I'm having a great time. And, I, you know, I think, I think Moscow in particular, uh, but, but Russia in general, has is, is, is put its best face on and uh you know it's been really welcoming and it's and it's, it's hosting a really good world cup yeah i mean you've got one particularly excitable additional guest in the background there i mean was yes. sorry yes I mean, <laughs> so kids are wondering why sorry about that um, i can't do much about that yeah no no i wouldn't expect you to um the i mean this was this was always going to be the case wasn't it we always suspected that it would be a pretty well run Event. I mean, is there anything that surprised you about it beyond the kind of the warmth of the welcome? Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. I, I, I always thought it'd be well run. I had a suspicion, though, that it'd be quite sterile. I thought the issues with the hooligans in Marseille, I just thought some of the kind of, I thought it would just be a bit, I mean, flat's maybe a bit wrong word, but maybe a bit kind of, a bit of a lid on things. Um, I'll be honest, I've been, I was wrong. I was wrong. Um, mm. I think, in particular, 
we, we, we arrived, this, they're, ha they're having a great summer. Russia wins big on the first day. Huge, huge, unexpectedly large numbers of Peruvians, Mexicans, Argentines, Colombians, but really like the Peruvians in, in, in particular, had all come to Moscow because Moscow is, is a really good hub. Now, whether you're playing your games in Moscow or you were playing in, you know, one of the other uh, 10 host cities, Moscow is just, a, you know, just a good place to base yourself. And I just think, I don't think Russia was quite expecting that either. And places like Red Square and some of the kind of main places that you would congregate just got taken over mm. in a really nice way. Um, they've done some quite good things as well. They've made the Metro pretty much free for ticket holders. Uh, it runs really late. It's really efficient. So um, a combination of weather, decent football, Russia doing well, South Americans and good public transport. It's yeah. just a good combination for a, for a football tournament. Yeah. No, I mean, obviously, that a lot of this is is great for the Russian people. Who I, I mean, a few people made the point before the tournament began that, you know, when all of the focus before an event is on a regime or on a figurehead, often the, the actual people who live in a country kind of get treated as this monolithic block. Um, but, I mean, is there... Is there a sense that this is working out quite nicely for the for the leadership there? Oh, un unquestionably. I mean, I mean, you you have got to sort of remember that in your head. But well, it goes both ways, of course, because as you say, it's unfair to tarnish everybody in Russia uh, with the Vladimir Putin brush. I bet that's clearly unfair. It goes back to the sort of you know the Cold War and you know to the Russians love their kids, all that sort of stuff. They clearly do, and you know, Russians are. A reasonable bunch and there are as many uh, annoying Russians as there are annoying Brits or mm. Americans or anything else you know there's nothing unusual about you know the Russian people they are they're, they're a decent bunch you know they're very I, I find them to be quite um, they don't, they don't, well they don't smile a great deal <laughs> in their sort of everyday I don't know like sort of customer service type thing that's not kind of big but once you start chatting to them they're very very polite and helpful um, so I think that's that's great. You do have to remember, though, that, that, that Putin gave a, a long speech uh, at the opening ceremony, uh, and you know he made all his points. You know he hit his bullet points about uh, how welcoming and wonderful Russia is, and you know and the, you know, don't believe the hype. Um, that has been reinforced at sort of every opportunity, not necessarily by him, but by you know his his chicks um, or is it apparatchiks? It's apparatchiks, isn't it? His uh, underlings. I'm not going to um, venture a guess. Yeah, and um, uh, he was doing a little photo call. I noticed that though uh, the Brits weren't invited, British media weren't invited yesterday in Red Square, where he kicked a football around, and uh, you know I think he scored a penalty. Uh, that was a very good penalty. That's <laughs> not his sport. Judo, I think, is his sport, and, and uh, ice hockey. But anyway, he got to score a penalty. Uh, so, look, yeah, he's having a very good World Cup because, as I said, for all the things I said before, you know, there's been no trouble, there's been no terrorism, Russia's playing well, or, you know, reasonably well. Um, yeah. You know, every, I think the pictures around the world, you know, I'm obviously I'm, I'm seeing it in the flesh, but but um, I was at a big FIFA briefing today where they talked about uh, the viewing figures, and they yeah. talked about how happy their, their broadcasters were, how happy their sponsors are. 
you know, how happy the fans appear to be. Yeah, there's also the key stakeholders and you know teams and players were in there as well. So look, they, uh, the Russians now, the Russian state is getting a, a hearty slap on the back from FIFA. Put it that way. Mm. Yeah, I mean it's been pretty enthusiastically received here. You know, I think people were kind of starved for a World Cup and and speaking speaking from London, obviously starved for an England team that they could enjoy watching, um, which has helped. A lot of talk before the tournament, just looking at it from FIFA's perspective, was on how unenthusiastic the sponsor reception had been to the prospect of a World Cup in Russia. Um, I mean, I don't know how much attention you've been paying to this kind of thing, but how involved sponsors have got, certainly compared to Brazil four years ago, is that is that something that's evident on the ground? I'll be honest, I mean, I haven't been paying a huge amount of attention to it, but my gut feeling is... Um, various people were leaned on, various companies were leaned on. They came in quite late in the day. As to if you would compare it maybe to, you know, a British market, you know, a kind of Western European, North American market, where, you know, sponsors would be activating their uh, commercial partnerships way in advance, just so mm. that everybody absolutely knew, you know, why company X was backing event Y. And we'd know all about it. We'd see all the sort of different, uh, you know, advertising campaigns and, you know, the freebies and the giveaways and, you know, the apps and what have you, you know, we, we, we would know who the main sponsors were. I, I don't get that impression here at all. There are, of course, the main front-line sponsors, and you certainly can't avoid those at any of the stadiums. So, you know, they're only taking Visa, you know, it's Budweiser and Coca-Cola everywhere. Obviously, there's some, uh, you know, Chinese uh, technology companies that sort of, you know, come here, and that's quite interesting to do with, the bigger picture with FIFA and its reputation, how it's got less, if you like, North American and a bit more Far East in terms mm. of where the, where the money is. Um, in terms of those kind of local sponsors, I, I just get the impression that a lot of them came in so late to fill up those slots that it's really hard to see what they're getting out of it. Mm. Um, you know, you do notice, let's say, you know, the big, you know, a couple of big banks, I know, uh, are sponsors and you can see you know, advertising audience is a, is a there's a big campaign involving Messi, I think, for one of the Russian banks. But it, it's pretty old fashioned stuff really compared to, you know, what what a you know, a sponsor of let's say the twenty twenty six World Cup will be doing in North America. Mm. Um, so I, I, I don't think the domestic sponsor uh, has really embraced this event. And I, I, I don't know why. I think Maybe it's because they just, as I say, came to the party a little bit late. Yeah, I think. I think. I think. I think one of the things that I, I will say this is this is certainly something I have noticed because I've been talking to Russians about it. They they came into this tournament on a real downer on their team. Mm. You know, they, you know, we, we heard the stories. It was there was ranked seventieth. That was the lowest ever for a host nation. A terrible run of form. Uh, I think it was seven eight games winless. You know, some really uninspiring friendlies. Obviously, it's kind of tough. For a host to, to gauge where they're at because they're not playing competitive games, but the games they played have been poor. Um, you know, a team without stars really. So the Russian media, never mind anyone else, had written the Russian team off. So I, I you know, I think that all played played a part as well. Yeah, I think as well there were there were reports of certainly this time last year when the Confederations Cup was going on that some of the local sponsors felt they didn't get a hell of a lot out of Sochi for what their investment was and that, you know, at that point as well, they'd they'd kind of been lent on uh, to spend much bigger numbers and and perhaps the local organisers felt they could get that international backing and and that didn't cover the gaps. But 
you mentioned the Russian team. One of the more amusing stories that's come out from international media, perhaps, you know, aside of the kind of wit and mischief of, of the local population that doesn't get out very often in international coverage, the, uh, the Moscow doping lab um, that's been turned into a cocktail bar. How much is that story rumbling on? Is there, you know, another shoe to drop? Or is that something that anybody expects might come back around? There's been kind of winking yeah. coverage of how far Russian players have run and all this type of yeah. thing. Yeah, just, I mean, the background is, so, as I say, they came in with no form whatsoever, very low expectations. They smashed Saudi Arabia, then they beat Egypt. Oh, and look, they've topped the... The stats for total distance covered, but also sprints by by a considerable margin. They, uh, Russia in games one and two, they they, they ran a lot. Um, a player who was on their long list was in the kind of bundle of evidence that McLaren got from Wachenkov, who ran the Moscow lab. You know, so very much that Russian football and a prominent Russian footballer was named. You know, was part of that state-sponsored doping. Um, conspiracy that takes uh, state-run doping program, and look, we've always known that about thirty players um, profited from that, or certainly had um, tests covered up. We just didn't know who they were. So when you got these, well, relatively surprising results and running stats, everyone put two and two together. Now, look, the Russians obviously uh, had no time for that whatsoever. The Russian coach gets really annoyed whenever you bring it up. It is still being brought up. Uh, they then lost their third game, and I don't think they ranked quite as much in their third game. So it, it's always gone away slightly. FIFA aren't really engaging with it. They refuse to tell us how many times Russia's been tested. They're giving you a big general number, you know, and it's the same sort of thing we get at every major event now. The, the number of tests are, you know, always going up. They're quite a dizzying number. You think, oh, great, everything's wonderful. Then you sort of start to think, well, hold on a minute. When are you testing them? What are you testing them for? Uh, do we even trust tests anymore? So, look, we're in we're in this sort of eternal holding pattern now with, with, with doping and Russian doping. Um, they're being tested a lot. I think we can probably, uh, you know, say that. Uh, the, lab, the samples are being sent to Switzerland. There are no Russians involved in the chain. Um, we'll see how they get on in their next game. <laughs> um, but, you know, they, they, they like to remind you that, no, 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 no. We just we just playing at home. We're, we're well prepared, and we were motivated. We were inspired. What did you expect? And, and you know that's where we're at, really, until until another piece of evidence comes along. All right. Well, we'll we'll leave it at that. I think um, you should probably take a chance to get down to that bar. It sounds. Um... Well, I'm, I'm wandering around outside. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, actually, no. The bar, the bar in question, to be fair, is in Sochi. Ah, excuse me. Yeah, it was the satellite lab in Sochi uh, that has now become a gastro pub where I understand I've not been they do have a bee sample and I think they have a duchess as well and a duchess of course was the, the concoction that Rodchenkov came up with which is uh, basically whiskey and steroids or, or vermouth <laughs> was it for the ladies I can't remember I think was anyway, it yeah. yeah yeah I don't think you want the uh, the concoction they came up with in the testing labs themselves with the no. coffee granules and the, the other stuff anyway oh that one yeah yeah <laughs> Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. We'll, we'll uh, come back in just a second uh, and talk briefly about the, the pre-World Cup vote for the 2026 host. 
Enjoying this Sports Pro podcast? Well, we're also the sports industry leader in print, digital, and events. Head to sportspromedia.com for the latest features, news, and interviews from the business of sport. Help yourself to a subscription to our acclaimed magazine and find out about our unmissable conferences before anyone else. Get inside the industry with Sports Pro. Welcome back to the Sports Pro podcast. Now, just a few moments ago, we were talking about the uh, ongoing World Cup in Russia in 2018. We won't spend too much longer talking about that because obviously we're at the point where it starts dividing quite furiously every couple of days and, and teams start going home. So it will change shape quite quickly. But something we do know now, obviously we've known since the tournament began, is that the next but one World Cup will be in North America across the United States, Canada and Mexico. Uh, another politically interesting World Cup given the current US administration's um, policies, Matt. Yes, it, it, it's, uh, it's an interesting one, isn't it? But look, as the United 2026 bid, which is Canada, Mexico, the US, kept telling us the politics of today are not necessarily the politics of tomorrow. And one thing we can be sure of with Donald Trump is unless he manages to rewrite the Constitution, he will not be president in 2026. So I think they successfully managed to get that message out there to the voters. Uh, they also managed to get, I think, their key message, which was, and they, you know, practically emblazoned in huge neon lights every time they spoke, $14 billion of profit. Profit not for us, but profit for you lot. You know, profit for FIFA. And that is the money, of course, that FIFA pretty much it, it runs it runs it runs the whole show. You know, yeah. Every four years they have their big cash cow, and fourteen billion dollars of profit. Uh, fourteen billion dollars of turnover. Eleven billion dollars, I think, it is of, of, of profit. Is is you know is double two, two and a half times I think what Morocco were were proposing. Morocco being their rival, and are pretty much double what anyone has ever done before. I think two and a half times what anyone's done before. Now it is, of course. Uh, a 48 team tournament, 80 games, so it's it's, it's bigger. But really, what's uh, what what the United Bid was saying was, look, you're going to have 60 games here in the US. You're going to have 60 games in uh, basically NFL stadiums. Uh, they're all built. We've now got uh, eight years instead of building things and having to worry about all that sort of stuff. We've got eight years to think of making making money in ways that you've never even dreamt of. Mm. You know, be it, be it music concerts, be it the biggest fan fest you've ever seen, be it stadium tours. Um, and then they actually had in their bid plan, um, in, their, in their profit projections, 1.4 billion US dollars. They didn't really specify what it was. And it was actually under things we hadn't thought of yet. Yeah. But everyone believed them because they said it was such conviction and they sort of thought well do you know what you know bear in mind how much people spend on on super bowl tickets they're probably right i mean i'll give you another example i think they had one and a half billion uh dollars on hospitality you sort of thought well that's a that's a lot i mean no fifa's never managed that before and you sort of thought well done the last super bowl one game was i think 300 million in uh, no, sorry, 150 million, I think it was in, in hospitality. Yeah, you know, they've got 60 games, they're talking about six Super Bowls in terms of their three opening games, one in each country on the same day, uh, the two semis, and a final. Suddenly, that one and a half actually looks a little bit conservative, which is another one of their catchphrases 
we don't think we're 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 ramping up this this these cost projections, these these revenue projections. We think they're very achievable, and we're being conservative. Yeah. Now on the on the um, other side of the ballot, of course, was was Morocco. How you know the 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 thing that was very striking on the day was how much of a comfortable win it was for the US. Yeah. I think beyond the kind of the, the a lot of the countries who you politically expected were going to back an, a North African bid, a lot of the support kind of crumbled away for Morocco. How close did it feel talking to people in the lobbies beforehand and in, in those couple of days before uh, the Congress came to a head? Well, it, well, it's an interesting race in that, you know, it started off being not a race at all. You know, genuinely, uh, United Bid was sort of trying to gerrymander it to so that it'd be handed to them. Uh, that didn't quite come off, and we did actually have a race with two candidates, and it did appear that, that FIFA were constantly looking for excuses to boot Morocco out, just in case the Trump effect did play a role, or you know who knows what, geopolitics, or you know North American sentiment, or whatever it might be, anti-North American sentiment might, might hand it to Morocco. We did actually have a race, and I think that was important. So over the last couple months... I think there was a little bit of arrogance, maybe complacency, maybe is a better word, on the United side. They're a bit slow. They, they appear to sort of think, well, we've, you know, we've, we've stuck our bid book out and everyone knows the numbers. And obviously, it's going to be us, right? Yeah, because we're amazing. Um, whilst Morocco was busy running around and, you know, talking up its bid and whispering people's ears and doing all the kind of thing that you'd expect a, uh, an underdog to do and, and doing, the, doing it well, to be fair, um, it felt really close. It felt really close about three or four weeks ago. I'll be honest with you, in the last few days, I just got the impression, ah, no, um, United, they, they sort of ramped up their messaging just enough. And I just thought, you know what, people are going to, people are going to sort of, they, they, they might have flirted with the underdog, they might have flirted with the idea of having another African World Cup, but they're going to come back to the money. Yeah. And I think that's what happened. And I, then I think the winning margin was further widened by people wanting to be on the winning team. Um, and it was quite interesting that a country who most of us had assumed was very much in Morocco's camp, Russia, <laughs> swapped sides at the last moment. Yeah, there couldn't possibly be anything else at play with uh, with Russia's, Russia's no. sudden support. Well, I mean, <laughs> not, only, not only do you have the, the, the issues there with, with, with the presidents, yeah, the current president of the United States. I think that the president of FIFA played a big role as well. Gianni Infantino and Vladimir Putin uh, are pretty tight these days. And I think, you know, whether 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 it was, I don't know, pointed out that we really want United bid to win or we think they are going to win, Mr. Putin. Um, one of those two things happened and Russia switched sides. Yeah. Uh, so, so there you go. So, so what? So what started off being a complete, you know, walkover, then got exciting for a while, ended up being a comfortable victory for, for the United bid. Yeah, I mean, are we Morocco have already talked about maybe getting involved again in another race. It's certainly, it's a preoccupation of of the King of Morocco by all accounts. Yeah. But are we going to see a, a smaller kind of one nation bid again? Are we, you know, even even. You know, if an English bid were to to come back in, there's talk about it being a British bid instead. There's talk about maybe there being a North African bid. What what do you think? I look. I think if we are wedded in the long term to forty eight teams, eighty games, no. Um, I mean, maybe a really really big frontline country. You know, very wealthy with lots of infrastructure could do it. 
Um, you know, Russia today, for example, at, at the briefing, Alexei Sorokin sort of said, "Oh, they'd like to think, you know, as a Russian citizen, of course, if 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 that was the if that was the World Cup we were we were bidding for, we'd have yeah, we'd have said 18. Yeah, why not? Of course, of course we would." Um, and I think you know America often talks about it. Well, look, we we could do it on our own if we wanted to. I actually think bringing in Mexico and Canada was quite cute. Mm. I think it, I think it softened the anti-American sentiment and, and was was a was a was a sort of a win for them um, strategically. Um, I get the impression that uh, that's, that's it's just a big big ask on a country. Most countries would have to build stadiums. Uh, you've also got the training bases, you've got the hotel rooms. I mean, just the size of a 48-team World Cup. I mean, it, I mean, a 32-team World Cup's pretty big, but that's that's a that's a lot yeah. for one country. And I and I just can't see. I mean, Morocco was it five five failed bids now? Um, even for this one, they had to build so much. That was the thing that really hurt them. It really, really did. I mean, any, anyone if you're going to be objective about it. As much as you know, you you liked them and you liked their story. You certainly believed them in terms of passion. You kept coming back to the fact. Hold on a minute. How many stadiums have you got? Right. You're, you've got five, and you've got to basically do work on all five of them. Oh, and you've got to build nine. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, the Americans haven't got to build any. So you know. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's that's you know we're in this era now. It's got it's got it's big. It's getting bigger. And I think that means joint bids. Yeah. In a sense, that takes us to a way in which this is this is a watershed World Cup. Obviously, you've got the slight anomaly of, of, of Qatar. We're not really sure what to expect from that tournament. If it, you know, we don't know if that's going to be a 48-team World Cup, although God knows where the pressure's coming from for that. Um, yeah. But, you know, you have this, this kind of tiny country hosting it. It's going to be a very different kind of affair from, from something like Russia. And then you go to 48 teams. I mean, is there a feeling... Is there a kind of valedictory thing for for the kind of I don't want to say compact, but but World Cups of this kind? Uh, I said one thing that, that, that is is a genuine issue that people are talking about, and I think will get bigger as we get closer to this this forty eighteen concept, and that's just the quality. I mean, we, you know, there's a couple of blowouts here. Um, we saw some games in the third round, you know, the final round of group stage games, where you know there was a bit of manipulation going on with results. We saw a few kind of basically no contests. I think there's real concern about 48 teams. You know, we are diluting the quality. Um, 16 groups of three. You know, how many of those kind of final games are going to be managed? Infantino and FIFA, you know, love this idea. I, I don't know why. I don't. I don't know how much real contestation they've done. They've managed to get it through for 2026. There is pressure, definite pressure, to bring it in for 2022. Um, you know, let's see. There, there, there's a hell of a lot going on there um, in terms of what that's really about. Is mm. it a Saudi? Is it a Saudi plot to take it away from Qatar? Uh, is it a Saudi plot to embarrass Qatar? Um, is it something even deeper to take it away from the region completely? You know, there are so many, there are so many you know, theories on that alone. We could do a podcast, but mm. I, I definitely think my worry about going to forty-eight is, is, is quality, the dilution of the quality, and the the, the potential for more uh, real stinkers in the group stages. Mm. I mean, you know, we we are going from this very neatly divisible 
tournament certainly into something unproven and unknown. Um, right, what are you looking forward to from the the rest of the competition? Obviously, it's this is the point now where the character changes completely. The stakes go way way up. We're not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna ask you for a prediction because it'll be wrong by Monday. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I think we can all agree that it's it's coming home wherever it's going. Huh. Um, <laughs> someone will think so. Um, but what what what's the acid test now for for the rest of this tournament? Well, well I'd like England to win a knockout game at a World <laughs> Cup. That's it. You know, I've, I've said that. I think I said that months ago. Just can we win a knockout game at a World Cup? It's been a long time. Ecuador, two thousand and six. Oh, that was not a good game either. Uh, and there, have, there just haven't been many. There just there haven't been my lifetime. There haven't been many. So let, let's, let's win one of those. Uh, look, I would just like this tournament to to continue as it started. You know, with a kind of upbeat, happy face. Um, I think the Russian hooligans have all been safely locked away. I did speak to a Russian journalist about this. who reckons they're all on holiday. Um, just just so that if anything did happen, they could say, look, I was on holiday. It definitely wasn't me. Um, so I don't want any trouble there. Um, I, I'd like, you know, Brazil, France, those sort of teams that haven't quite clicked to click. Uh, Brazil are showing signs of being closest to clicking, if you know what I mean. Uh, I think France have got a lot more to give. Uh, I like Croatia. Uh, I think Belgium are playing well. I think that we've had we've, we've seen some really good games. I'd like to see more of that, please. I'd just like England to to, to, to not embarrass themselves because they've they've got so much right. They really have. There is there is a definite uh, loads of green shoots there. Let's 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 you know hold on to those. And that's it, really. Just just you know, the sun keeps shining. People to remain cheerful. Sounds good. All right. Thanks very much, Matt. Of course, there is a lot of World Cup-related content constantly coming through on the Sports Pro website, so do be sure to check that out. Uh, Matt, enjoy the rest of your time in Moscow. Uh, enjoy the rest of the World Cup. It's, it's pretty precious now. There's not that much of it left. Um, and speak to you all soon. All Bye-bye. right. Take care. Cheers, then.